It's Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for Newcastle. The way he brought that down was fabulous. Cantona. Oh. Aguero. Only football can make you feel like this. Yes, we're back again, boys. Episode two of the Shooting Zars Euros podcast. I'm Stuart Marshall, joined by Bryce Conway and Alex Grant. And I think we're all buzzing, boys, because we just hear the intro music in our ears at the start of an episode for real, instead of having to cut it in later. But anyway, how are we going? Fantastic. All the better for hearing that. That was amazing. Yeah, it gives me shivers every time still. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we're back again, boys. And um, we got a bumper show planned put a bit of prep into this one for the listeners, but there's been so much going on over the past, when did we last speak? Last Wednesday, I believe it was. We're recording this Thursday night, the 10th of June at 10.34 here in Sydney, so it's a late one. But yeah, so much has happened over the past week. Obviously, you got the Euros, lots of Australian football news, um, and then obviously you got transfers and all sorts of other stuff going on in the Premier League. But yeah, big show coming up. But before we do get there, we just got to remind everybody that is listening. Um, yeah, head over to our socials. So we got an Instagram page at Shooting Zars. We've got a Twitter at Zars Shooting. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Um, but yeah, it's been a big few days, nonetheless, for Alex Grant, who actually featured on a, on a different podcast. Last night, didn't he? The soccer podcast, the fellow Australian football podcast, doing their bit. Granty, the special guest. I had a listen today, mate. Quite the laugh it was. How was it? Yeah, <laughs> Give it was, us a debrief. No, it was a great, great chat um, with Trent and Joel. Like you said on the soccer pack on on so a little bit on the soccer podcast. Um, <laughs> Get it right, come on. I know. Sorry, lads. Um, yeah, it was great. We had um, a talk about various different things the boys were chipping in with stats about Korea which I wasn't aware of and so they were helping with with my knowledge and whatnot and um, yeah it was good just a, a really good uh, good part I won't say it's as good as ours but you know it's uh, <laughs> I probably made it uh, there. <laughs> it's different they got their own no, thing it going is. on yeah they do have their own thing going on and it's um yeah it's got it's definitely a different feel and yeah i enjoyed it yeah absolutely bryce you said you haven't heard it yet but the soccer podcast boys what do you think alex got up to got up to a bit of mischief i'll tell you that much <laughs> yeah definitely it's, it's been great seeing those ads um run the podcast the past couple of years and, and grow it's been awesome to see and obviously the s-o-k-k-a-h is you know really prevalent in uh, australia and that word is so it's it's soccer good to see you get a big run like that it's just fantastic yeah Soccer Twitter is just phenomenal shithousery there. So, yeah, no, it's good to see. Good to see Al, you know, getting his – building his brand image and brand personality. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's the main thing, I guess, out of this. <laughs> Alex is just building his profile even more away from us, and that's what we want. But, yeah, go follow the Soccer Podcast at Soccer Podcast, S-O-K-K-A-H Podcast. Uh, you can find them on Twitter and Instagram. Alex featured on their latest episode, um, which dropped – today the 10th of june i believe yeah. but yeah they run a podcast weekly but um yeah i guess with that in mind alex if you're still there i can't really see your screen right now for those that are watching on the video he seems to have cut out i've cut out i can see him fine it's all good no 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 nah, the right. video no yeah. no we got yeah we got you you're still there you'll come back <laughs> okay. um 
Yeah, for the listeners that may be uh, listening for the first time this series as well, um, we are the Shooting Czars. I figured we didn't really give it tell everybody who we were and why we exist. Why did we come together? We came together three years ago to do the World Cup pod. Uh, Granty was playing at the Perth Glory. Bryce was working at the Perth Glory. And then I had access to a radio studio. So we all came together and did a World Cup podcast and continued into the Prem. Now we're back to do the Euros. Um, so that's just a little bit about us. And obviously we had our first episode last week. And towards the end of the episode last week, uh, Granty posed a question to the listeners, or mainly to Bryce and us, I suppose, for us to come back to in this episode. And for those that maybe heard or watched the episode or listened to the episode last week, this is what the question was. Can you name four the four players to have played in the Manchester Derby, the Merseyside Derby, and El Clasico. All right. I didn't put a call out on the Twitter or Instagram or anyone to answer that question. So, Bryce, I'm going to just throw this one straight over to you, mate. Yeah. Can you please so, answer that question? Yeah. I had a McManaman. Steve McManaman was the one I got straight away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember him, um, him famously going to Madrid, killing it there like in Copa Mundials as well, amongst some of the biggest Galacticos, which was amazing. Started at Liverpool and then ended his, I think he ended his Premier League career at City towards the end there. Michael Owen, the mercenary, he's another one. Struggled in Madrid uh, after moving from Liverpool and then went to Manchester United at the end and famously scored the winner against City. So that was the tick off the third. And the other one I got was uh, Les Salk, Nicholas and Elka. Um I think he's been in every single derby in world football. The amount that bloke travelled. So uh, they're the three I got. I wasn't able to get four. I just put this. I scribbled them down after the podcast last week. I wasn't able to get the four. So I'm happy for Granty to enlighten me here. Alex, please fill in the gaps there. How'd he go? Yeah, he did all right. Yeah, three out of four. Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, he did good. Big good price. Um, I'm surprised you got the Anel- the Anelka one. Is the one I struggle with. Um, yeah, because I don't have memory of him really playing at Real Madrid. So, was he there long? Not a few years, but it was like early two thousands. I think because um, I watched his doco recently, right. so that's why I knew. Yeah, I think I honestly think it was one season after he played at Arsenal. Okay, yeah, I was wa- just I, one. In fact, I watched his like two thousand two thousand one or like literally two thousand one. He came to Arsenal yeah. and then he went to Madrid for literally a year. Yeah, it was a weird situation. Just a, an odd footballer. Yeah, seemed like he was had a lot going on. Yeah, but the one the one you're missing, Sparky, Mark Hughes. Ah, he's Jeez, Gareth Morgan would be uh would be a uh, flat that I didn't get that one. Gareth definitely would have got Welsh it. Wizard, Mark Hughes. Yeah, wow. All right, so Mark, give us a, who, who was it? Just name him again for us, Alex. It was Mark Hughes, Michael Owen, Steve McManaman, Michael Owen, Nicholas and Yeah. They're the four. There we go. So for those that were wondering, that is the answer to that question. Don't know if Alex has got another one prepared, but maybe next time we do a question, we'll put a call out to the listeners <laughs> and get that uh, get them to answer it. But anyway, I want, I want uh, one every week, Al. I love those. Yeah, sorry, yeah. lads. I've kind of come a bit unprepared tonight, so uh, I'll have to scrounge <laughs> one out from somewhere next week or on the next day. Yeah, for the, for the next step for sure. Oh, there he is. His video is back. This is going to be a funny, funny YouTube video to watch. Is it Alex, me? Am watch I just back. coming in and out? <laughs> yeah. 
I've seen him the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can see him. Uh, yeah, if you're listening <laughs> on the podcast version, you got to go and watch the YouTube video. Hilarious. Anyway, um, yeah, let's actually get to the discussion, I guess. It's been what a what a day today is. The 10th of June, 2021. What a day it may prove to be in changing, you know, Australian football, I suppose. Ange Postacoglu. Formerly of Melbourne Victory, Brisbane Raw, the Socceroos coach, and now the Yokohama F Marinos, Ange Postacoglu, the greatest Aussie coach in history, has been confirmed as the new Celtic Football Club manager today. Quite a momentous day. I don't think we can really downplay the size of this, uh, Bryce. We spoke about this on the last podcast last week. Uh, we weren't sure whether it was going to happen, but it's happened. And wow, wee, what a day it may be. And what a move for Postacoglu and Aussie football, as I said. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. I think I can't remember a bigger appointment in Australian football coaching history, really, to be honest. So I'm happy to be proven wrong there. But from my memory, it's it's, it's just Celtic are a massive, massive club. Um Obviously, Champions League winners in Lisbon years ago, and they've been the you know the, you know, the they've set the standard in the Scottish Premier League for years, and it's determined their global reach as well. It's not just on field; they're they're a well-known brand, and uh, yeah, with a lot of history. So I just think it's fantastic for Postecoglou, and um, I think he he can be that kind of pioneer in a way for Aussie coaches, you know, uh, garnering a bit more respect and getting that chance in Europe if he's able to make a name for himself there. Yeah, and let's not. Um forget that Celtic have, you know, the the amazing players they've had over the years. They also have won the European Cup uh, all those years ago. I believe they were the first, maybe the first British team. Actually, I could be wrong there, but they've won the European Cup for God's sakes. And yeah. only two managers ago, Brendan Rodgers, who's just guided Leicester to the FA Cup and is doing wonders in the Premier League, was their manager. So it's kind of, you know, it's like for Postacoglu, who was playing his trade in Japan, to um, yeah, get a chance like this. It's kind of what he's been building towards, Alex, isn't it? He's been quite vocal about that and about his desire to get into Europe and his willingness um, to sort of stay and work through Asia in order to get a pathway into Europe. It's uh, definitely happened and it hasn't happened at a small club, that's for sure. What was your immediate reaction when this all went down today or when you found out the news? Yeah, I just saw it earlier on on BBC Sport and um. You know, I think I think it's like we touched on last week, and um, Bryce has just mentioned that what an opportunity for him breaking into European football after coming off the back of you know success in the J League and winning the league over there, and his uh, success with the Socceroos. He's got all the credentials to to break in and and put a stamp on things and do well over there. So it's an exciting opportunity for him and. It'd be interesting to see if he brings anyone in with him and the kind of players he looks to sign. And obviously, Celtic were going for the what was it, the record tenth consecutive um, league title? Yeah, before um, you know Stevie G Stevie and Rangers swooped in, mate. He did. Yeah. So he's really got. I think that's probably the biggest challenge he's got is kind of winning the fans back. And I know. I think Neil. Neil Lennon brought a lot of success to the club, but by the end of his tenure, I think, you know, the fans were 
kind of gone in for him to go. So he's uh, he's got to bring the success back and win trophies and knock uh, Stevie G and the, the uh, Rangers off off the perch. I think, but it's going to be tough ask because they're playing lovely football and um, he's got them playing nice. Do you think Stevie G will stay, Bryce? I don't know. He got he got touted for the Everton job, which was baffling, but. Um, I think he should stay for another year at least um, and see what's on the table then. Um, I think the jobs that are available now are quite big uh, in European football at the moment, some of the major ones like Spurs, Everton and that. So I think I'd, I'd go one more year. I know it's you'd think with all the momentum that you, you could you know leverage a big move, but I know I'd be cautious with that. Um, and I'd, I'd, If I was him, I'd take another year and try and build a bit of a dynasty with the Rangers. Hmm. Yeah, either way, it's going to be fascinating. Like, isn't that just like <laughs> Ange Postecoglou is going to be managing against Steve Gerrard? Like, it's it's crazy. It's just yeah. it's it's crazy the, the the Aussie names that have sort of been at Celtic in years gone by. We spoke about it last week. Tommy Rogic is obviously still there. Danny Lazani had a short stint there. Scott McDonald throughout the noughties, the mid two thousands, was there banging in the goals. Let's not forget Mark Viduka spent some time at Celtic in the late nineties as well. Um, but Bid, yeah, Bidmar just, was Bidmar there as well at Rangers. Uh, he was at Rangers. To, Rangers, I think he was. Yeah, Craig Moore was at Rangers as well. So yeah. there are Aussies do have a, uh, an affiliation with Scottish football. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just amazing, you know, for Postecoglou, who wasn't even managing in Europe to get such a big job because I think you know any manager in Europe would probably want to. Get the Celtic job, I would suspect, but um, yeah, and the goal's clear for him now as well, isn't it? It's just like he's going to be the barometer for his success will be winning back the Scottish Premier League title. So it's a it's a big tough ask for his first big European job because if he doesn't win it, it'll, it'll be deemed a failure by their fans. So like, what a great opportunity though! I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, how, how long do you, How long do you think he's got? Before... Well, this is the question, right? Because he's on a he's signed a twelve month rolling contract, so. Um, he's yeah. only got 12 months to start I guess yeah. but that's a good question Bryce I don't know I, what yeah. you reckon I think he has to win the league or go extremely close so I just think at Celtic with their standards if they don't win the league it's a, an utter failure for them so yeah it's going to be interesting I don't know how patient they're going to be and how patient their fans will be so because there will always be another manager in the way to take that job so I think he's going to be hot in his heels there and, and try and win it back as soon as possible well, that's it. You said yeah. like it could go close, but I don't think close is going to cut it at the no. end of the day. No, I, I think, think that's, you're right. that's yeah. In Scotland, it's generally a two-horse race. It's um, black and white for them, yeah. And if you ain't first, you're last. So, yeah. In the name of Ricky Bobby. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just going to be so fascinating to watch. Um, yeah, imagine Foster Cogley wins Celtic league title. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't seem like it's. Like it's real in a way, but um, I'm just glad we're able to talk about that and mention the club. I know, and the it's crazy, and Aussie yeah. manager. It's just fantastic. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the same token, you got Harry Kuehl getting a job at Barnet today, the Bees in the Conference National or the National League. Um, so he's still chugging away in England there. He hasn't had the greatest success, I suppose, mm-hmm. in the lower leagues, but let's hope uh, he can turn it around. But there's two Aussie coaches, I guess, in big jobs in the men's game. And of course, yesterday in the women's game, Joe Montemuro from Arsenal women's team was appointed the Juventus FC women's team. So uh, this was a manager who spent a lot of time 
Uh, he's been at Arsenal for four years and he spent a lot of time in uh, in Australia coaching uh, Melbourne City, I believe, and another team. But he's been around the block, was a player as well. But what a he, that was only yesterday that he got appointed that job as well. So in the past two days, we've had two Aussie managers take two of the biggest jobs in Europe uh, in the men's and women's game. Bryce, what do you, what, do, what do you make of all that? Massive, he was a, he's a Juventus fan as well from a little yeah, boy. It's, it's like a bit of a Cinderella story, isn't it? Yeah, I think he, he's been one of those managers that's been you know, kind of the jet setter there and really pushing the boundaries in terms of you know, professionalism in the W League and he got his reward with Arsenal. What a start to get at such a massive and historic club. And then it's just he's continued that success, made the most of his opportunities there with Arsenal. Uh, I believe he won a title there as well. So I think, I think it's fantastic for him to get this opportunity. And just I think these moments and these key signings, like once Muro to Juve and uh, Ange to Celtic, it's like those days in the early 2000s, mid-2000s when you got uh, Harry Kuehl signing for the likes of Liverpool when you got uh, Dukes at the likes of Newcastle, Stewie. I mean, you'll remember that day. But it's like those big moments like that kind of sets up the country in terms of getting recognition for their quality. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping now they can make the most of it like Kuehl and Paducah did on the biggest of stages in Europe and yeah, and trying to you know, blaze a trail for the next generation there and inspire those coaches to keep coming through. Yeah. Granty, what do you reckon? Big couple of days for Aussie coaches. Obviously, Popper's been over there as well, an ex-coach of yours. I'm sure he'll get another crack. Kevin Musket's being touted as being Postacoglu's assistant. I don't know how true those reports are. I know well, he was in Belgium. Uh, Kevin Musket trying to manage. He was managing a team in Belgium. I can't remember what one it was right now. But uh, big moves, I guess. Like you say, Bryce. Back in the day, it was the players that were making waves in Europe, and now it's. Uh, I mean, there's two at least, but it's funny that it's the coaches, which I guess you never would have predicted, Alex. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think it's always, it's kind of easy for managers to always come back to the A-League as it, as it is with players, I guess, as well. You know, once you break away from the A-League, it's, um, I find that, you know, generally players find it quite easy to come back and kind of got a bad reputation, I think, for, you know, recycling players, but that's just the way it is. So once once players or managers get opportunities in Europe, it's, you know, really important that they, they take it with both hands, really, and, and do everything they can to stay there um, because it is really cutthroat over there. And you, you've seen you've seen that, you know, with some of the, um, the examples that we've had with foreign players and, and managers in Europe. For sure, yeah. Big couple of days on the coaching front. Um, yeah, we'll be following Postacoglu. I'm pretty sure every Aussie now will have a keen interest in watching the Scottish Premier League, which I saw a tweet before that was like, you know, from 2000, 2020, <laughs> not one Aussie wanted to watch the, uh, you know, the Scottish Premiership, but now every football fan in Australia will be wanting to. I just thought it was pretty funny. But anyway, uh, moving on, I guess. But yeah, big couple of days in the coaching front. Um, let's talk about the games, I guess. Let's start with the Socceroos results. We'll have a quick look at that. They had two World Cup qualifiers. Australia beat Chinese Taipei 5-1 and Kuwait 3-0. So uh, pretty, I guess, obviously you'd expect them to win those games, but they're well on track to qualify now. Um, Yeah, they're looking all right, the Socceroos, I guess. I mean, from those two games, maybe it's hard to tell, Alex, but... Um, heading into the World Cup, uh, heading into the Olympics, World Cup 
qualification is that one step closer. Couldn't get my words out there. What'd you make of it? <laughs> yeah, which one? Which one we talking about? The Olympics or the World Cup? <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're just, confused we're now. Is yeah, that no, World no. Cup coming up. No. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm just saying the two results were good um, heading into the Olympics. Um, but yeah, how do you sort of look at the Socceroos team after those games? Yeah, I think the, the squad's probably changed a fair bit over the last couple of years. A lot of new new faces in there and players who've featured and haven't now been included. And, you know, there's been a lot of chops and changes, I think, amongst the squad. But I think one thing is quite exciting about it is we have got, you know, a lot of depth within, you know, Australian football. And um, Graham Arnold doesn't seem... Um, too scared of dipping into the A-League and pulling players out of there when needed and if they're doing well and you've seen that, you know, you've got like Curtis Good who's had a fantastic season and, you know, a couple of other boys as well and then you've got the lads who are playing in Europe and overseas as well who always contribute and, um, yeah, I think it's just exciting to see that the amount of depth they've got in the squad, especially young players as well, so it's an exciting prospect for the uh, the future, future major tournaments, I think. Did you did you you would have come up against Curtis Good in the A League, Alex? Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, same position. Is, and... Yeah, you guys are similar players, I guess, because he was um, me being a Newcastle United fan was obviously signed from Melbourne Heart all those years ago, straight to England. But for whatever it, reason, yeah, was, I think he was on a was... long long term deal over in at Newcastle. I think back in the day, yeah, when, he was, he yeah. was, and uh, I, he, I think he just got like. A lot of injuries when injuries. he was younger, yeah, and um, and then he obviously he, similar path to me in a sense, and came back to Australia and obviously saw that as you know that side step rather than a backward step, and um, look at him now in the Socceroos, so just won the league with Melbourne City and flying. What was he like as a player, though? I mean, just I suppose similar to you, and I mean, would you say that your games are quite similar in that in that oh, regard? Yeah. yeah, similar enough, you know, but. <laughs> um, nah. um, yeah, I mean, yeah, good, good on the ball, composed, strong, good in the air. Um, yeah, just a solid defender. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm saying that, but you, you don't really take too much notice of your opposition no, when you're playing. And, you know, ask me about Perth yeah. Glory players, I'll tell you everything. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah, soccer is looking good. Um, the Matildas, of course, they got a game tomorrow, a friendly against Denmark. Sam Kerr was named in the WSL Team of the Year in England after claiming the Golden Boot, Bryce. Uh, wish you in the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> Please. Um, that'd be great. Jeez, uh, that'd be a good few weeks for Australian football if that were to be the case. I'm just, I'm just so glad... Uh, She's on the big stage. I think she could have left earlier from glory and gone on the European stage. Um, I bet she was a great servant to the club at Perth Glory and did so much with them winning so many golden boots and bringing them to a couple grand finals as well. But it's just so cool having someone of her, you know, backgrounds, you know, being born and raised in Perth and playing for Chelsea and being in a Champions League final. Uh, and then, when it, yeah, being player of the season. It's just unreal to have uh, an Australian player um, being in the same conversations as those kind of competitions and winning those accolades. It's unreal. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, I mean, she keeps breaking records and getting in teams of the year and doing all these things. So let's hope she um, 
Yeah, can win that that prize. And as I mentioned, the Matildas are versing Denmark in a friendly tomorrow morning, the 11th of June, I believe 2 a.m. Sydney time. So if you want to watch that or catch that up, you can after that date. Um, this is a quick one on an ex-teammate of yours, Alex, Ryan Williams, Aussie. Uh, you were with him at Portsmouth. He's just uh, left Portsmouth for the second time after having a fairly good stint there. I had a look today. Um He's gone to Oxford United, but um, yeah, I suppose he left Portsmouth all those years ago only to get re-signed you know, in the past couple of years and actually have a carve out a couple of good years there. But he's off to Oxford United. Um, yeah, what, what do you make of all that? And Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, I used to live with him when uh, we first moved over to the UK and we spent, what was it, two years together um, living in Portsmouth in a digs with like a shared host family um, and then he got signed by Fulham I believe it was um, I got picked up by them and he's Ryan's done really well to be fair to him he's um, he's managed to have you know carve out a decent career in the championship and league one and he's had a few loans um, I think Oxford was one of his loan moves from Fulham um, a few years ago and like I said he's making like you said, he's making a return there. So, yeah, they uh, they just missed out on promotion this year. I think they lost in the playoffs to Blackpool. So, um, they'll they'll be looking to go one better. And obviously, Ryan sees that as a an opportunity or a better opportunity than staying at Pompey. I mean, Pompey are a massive club, but they seem to have lost um, quite a few players over the last few days. So, it'll be interesting to see how they go next year. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, one to watch. And obviously for you, it's – well, yeah, for you, I mean, leaving Portsmouth again, obviously where you started. Um, all right, back home, let's have a quick look at the A-League. There's been a couple of big stories over the past couple of days. Um, yeah, there's been some transfer news. Obviously, Davier has gone from uh, Wellington to MacArthur. Has it? Brandon O'Neill's – yeah, no, that's, that's confirmed. <laughs> Brandon O'Neill's been rumoured to go back to Perth Glory. Jason Davidson's it broke today that he might be off to the victory. I think Garby broke that on Twitter. Um, Mark Rudin's been sacked by Western United for them finishing rock bottom. Um, but the big one was the change in the salary cap rule, I guess. Alex, just want to get your you know thoughts on that. Um, they're thinking of bringing in the Beckham rule. For those that maybe don't know, it's, I mean, more... Uh, buying power, I guess, which can go outside the salary cap. Um, what do you think about that? Changing the salary cap rule. I think it's is it only any for way. certain players? Is it? What's the specifics? Do you know? I'll get mate, the specifics up. Yeah, let's let's investigate here. Grant, you were all over this last week, mate. You were spinning it out like you wrote the rules. <laughs> well, just talk broadly about changing the salary cap rule, and then I mean, what do you think? You think obviously, I think any football fan in this country. Uh, I mean, Australia thinks it's necessary. But as a player, what do you think about the whole system? Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm a big believer in, you know, abolishing the salary cap and, uh, yeah, getting rid of it altogether. But there's obviously people within the... I think COVID affected everything. Um, it's had a massive effect financially on the league and we took cuts last year as players and... Um, you know, a lot of things happened off off the park that 
probably wasn't really highlighted too much in the media and um, even though we had backing from the PFA and whatnot, we we probably didn't really voice it as loudly as what we should have. Um, and we we did. We took a, a really big cut um, that was made out to be much less, I think, than than what it than what it actually was. Um, and I think because of that, I think just the logistics now of getting rid of the salary cap, it just puts so much stress on the clubs who. Obviously, even this season, there's been times when, you know, they've um, they've not had fans in the stadium, so uh, the money's not always been coming in again this season. It's so hard to to generate uh, revenue when you're competing with four or five other codes who, in Australia, are all very successful. And I think, um, I think the Australian public in general, I think, as sports fans, they they generally go where the success is. So like in Perth, I mean, people love the sport, but, you know, if the Eagles and the Dockers are playing well and the glory aren't, or the force for that matter, Bryce, I'll give them a shout out as well. You know, they're going to go to them. So I think that's just the way it is. Whereas, you know, across Europe, people are loyal to the clubs, whether they're losing or they're winning. And don't get me wrong, there's there's still always a dip in attendances, but you generally find that, solid core base of fans who always go to the games. Hmm. Um, yeah, now now I guess you've had a bit of time removed from the whole salary cap issues and all that from the A-League, like from, from last season when COVID hit. I mean, how do you, you know, can you tell us more about what that actually was like and how do you feel about how the league handled it and all that, if you're willing to share, I guess? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll touch on it a little. Uh, it was a long time ago now. It was what, almost a year and a half ago. It seems like we've been going through this for for a long time. But I, I think off the top of my head, um, I think we took a cut. I think it was like 73%. I can't remember. Or 77%, which, you know, who who in the right mind would, would, would do that? But in order to keep the game afloat, well, we were told that that, that was the only way forward. And, the players had to take cuts, so it it was really was a bit of pill to swallow, and I think the lads in the end just kind of caved in, and um, you know, we showed a hand and kind of in a way got walked over, but um, it, it walked it, over by who? Like I walked over by what? Uh, what? What? Uh, governing body or who, yeah, who? I think it was just the owners, and they were pressuring the league and. The league was then pressuring the PFA, and you know we we were at the bottom of the the pecking order, yeah. so it kind of just went on to us. And to be fair, that the the PFA reps, the lads, the players who represented us, did a really good job. And especially after COVID, and we came back, there was further uh, conversations then with the with the governing bodies and the owners and whatnot to then you know go um and take the right right foot forward uh, going on into the future. And I think they did that in the end. Obviously, I left in January, so I can't remember whether they were still negotiating at the time, but I think the players learned a bit from their experiences um, earlier on in the year that, you know, they weren't to be messed with in a way. Anyway, let's get to the Euros, because I guess many people were probably tuning into this thinking we're going to talk about the Euros and we spent half an hour talking about... Uh, <laughs> 
other things. But anyway. I know um, last week it was 20 minutes on me and I've been listening to it back <laughs> and I was thinking, are we even going to get to the Euros? <laughs> we might miss it. Mate, you thought you were on the plane there by the end of that one. Oh. Anyway, it killed 20 minutes and, you know, we've done the same today. So we're here now. All right. Boys, there's been some big friendlies over the past couple of days. Did you manage to take a, a watch of any results or what What have we made of it, Bryce? Portugal, Mate. Spain, France, they've all been in action. Portugal, Spain and France have all got wins. It's uh, It just gets the uh, juices flowing, seeing the big nations compete like this, this close to a tournament. It's unreal. Um, the interest, most interesting one, obviously, for England is having Trent Alexander-Arnold after all that conjecture over who should be the fourth bloody right back in the squad he's gone down injured so lucky he's got three others in the wings and then Ben White of Brighton coming into the squad and there was quite a few complaints uh, that James Ward-Prowse still doesn't get a look in after um, the season he's had with Southampton so that was interesting but it doesn't seem to be flowing amazingly in front of goal for England like we're getting chances but um Benzema's back for France. He suffered a little niggle, but apparently he's going to be right for the tournament, which is good to hear. Um, yeah, and I'm, uh, the biggest thing I'm worried about is France's kits are just underwhelming this time. Usually <laughs> France's kits are just like peak football fashion. They've always got the best. I reckon out of size of Liverpool shirts, the most I've got is France shirts. They're so good, but this year's a bit bland. That's oh, my that. hot take. That's my hot take. France kits, man. Granty, did you see the Portugal for Israel nil result? Last night, you watched it, didn't you? No, I did guess. Yeah, was it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Stayed up late for that one. For your man, Br- your man, Bruno Fernandez at the double. But tell I you what, the- Portugal, Portugal are whew, their front four: Ronaldo, Fernandez, Bernardo, Bernardo Silva. Silva. Diogo Jota, Neves oh, in the back, Gal Cancelo. They got players galore. Ruben Diaz at the back as well. Had a belter for Manchester City, player of the year. In the I think I brought it up last week on the pod that, you know, Portugal could go back to back. Yeah. Um, did. I didn't pay them enough respect beforehand, but their squad is in form. Like, all that, that's the important thing. A lot of their players are in form at the moment. God bless you. God bless you. That's a fine. Yeah, no, Portugal were looking lethal. <laughs> I watched the um, I watched the mini match today, but them and Spain both had four nil wins, and France had a three nil win. Um, yeah, three three hot favourites, I guess. Germany, um, interesting. Seven one. Germany, seven one. Yeah, big results yeah, flying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to know, I guess, anyway. when they're playing these small smaller. The minnows, yeah. Nations, I guess. But um, interestingly for Spain, and this will be this will be something that all teams are going to have to manage over the course of the tournament is like positive COVID cases. So you've got Diego Lorente and Sergio Busquets both testing positive to COVID-19 in recent days. So they're both going to miss Spain's first game. Um, so, yeah, that's just going to be, a, you know, you just, you'd hate for, I don't know, Paul Pogba or Harry Kane to somehow get uh, COVID, you know, in a late tournament game. But that's that's sort of one to uh, look out for. As you mentioned, Bryce, Ben White was added to the England squad in place of Trent Alexander-Arnold. A lot of pundits um, in England are sort of 
saying he looks the most assured at international level based on the one game that he played, which is pretty out of the defenders that are there. So they oh, were right. sort of tipping him um, out of the England defenders to sort of start in place of Harry Maguire. What do you reckon about that, Alex? Do you think that's that's fair enough? I mean, I did. I had a good discussion with my brother about it actually the other day, and um, I, I actually put James James Ward Prowse's name forward, but. I think just the uncertainty over Maguire and you've got Tyrone Mings who probably hasn't brought a lot of form into the recent internationals and he struggled a bit. And I think just a bit more depth in, in that centre of defence definitely helps. And Ben White, I think, I believe he's played like four different positions for Brighton this season. So, you know, that versatility is really going to help him and um, whether... He plays centre mid or wherever. You know, I think it's just he's going to be a handy player to have. Whereas James Ward-Prowse, even though he's really good at set pieces, he's generally only going to be playing centre midfield. So I think that's what um, Southgate's thinking of anyway when he's uh, included him in the squad. He, I just, I just feel like he's got the quintessential lower end of the Premier League slash Championship look about him. Not as a player, I think he's a quality player, but the. Like the double sleeves, the wrist tape, the big tan, the big quip. It's just classic <laughs> championship style look. Um, and like, I honestly hadn't heard too much about him until he was started being in the England conversation. So it's great having such a, you know, a unique and diverse group of players in the, in the England squad now with players that are at the lower end clubs and overseas like Sancho and Billingham. So actually Billingham was unreal in that game. And he looks so safe, so sound at that central defensive midfield position. I think he could be vital with Henderson nowhere near mm. his best. Obviously coming back from a bigger injury. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting squad there. I just feel for James Ward Prowse because I think I tweeted earlier this year that there is no better sight in Premier League football than watching James Ward Prowse put in set pieces with blackout tempos. There's just something beautiful about it and classic. That's just a shame they can't see it in the Euros with England. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the Ben White one's interesting for me and uh, much has been made of his um, rise, I guess, into the England squad and now obviously going to be playing in the Euros and the fact that this season was his own, you know, his first full season in the Premier League and he only made his Premier League debut this season. So last season he was playing with Leeds in the Championship and the year before that he was playing in League One with Peterborough United, all on loan from Brighton. So he's back playing at his uh, parent club and he's sort of come through the ranks at Brighton. But what does that tell us, Alex? And like you and I have spoke about this um, maybe off air and just in general conversations. Like, you know, like we we put these players in England up on pedestals and um, English players up on pedestals. But does that kind of show you that maybe the difference between players um, in the Premier League you know, maybe defenders or whoever else, there actually isn't much of a difference between players like Ben White in the Premier League and younger players that are in the Championship in League One. Is that fair to say? Or or what do you think about that, obviously having experienced what being a player is uh, like in England? I think, um, obviously, they've got to have ability first and foremost and they've got to have something that makes them stand out from the rest. He's obviously shown that. And... Ultimately, they've got to be consistent as well, playing every week um, at whatever level. I think that's the only way of getting noticed. I mean, if you're in the championship, you're always looking to build and progress your career and getting the right opportunities. And I think 
luck has, has definitely got a part to play as well, whether, you know, you stay fit or um, you've got an agent who can get you a move somewhere. I know, I know me saying that um, sounds a bit silly, but these are the kind of things that can play to a player's advantage at times and just being liked by someone. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, someone's opinion uh, as to whether you're better than someone else. Uh, and there's very thin margins as well involved in that. Um, it's, it's crazy to think that it ultimately comes down to uh, one man's opinion. But that's just the way it is. And, you know, it's like that in a lot of forms of life, I guess, and, you know, lots of uh, occupations. Yeah, I, I just, I just want to like discuss with you always now. Like, do you think that having a, a kind of wide breadth of different clubs, like lower clubs, and some that are just fresh to the Premier League in the squad, and some from Europe, is kind of reflective of how you know the bigger clubs in England don't have as many English players in their squads anymore? I think back when you know United were in their heyday in the late 2010s and early 2000s, mid 2000s, there was a lot more representation of English players within the top four, so your Chelsea's. Arsenal's, United's, um, and even City as well. But now you look at the squads. There's only there's only a couple in each squad, so maybe that's that's kind of reflective in the England squad now. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just watching Stewie Hardy sneeze. I know he's just trying to sneeze. <laughs> he did I a put lot myself on mute. Me. <laughs> oh, that's what I um, should have done. But uh, yeah, you're right, bro. Whatever. You yeah, said. I think you're right. No, 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 you're. No, I mean, I, I I kind of agree with you, but that was always going to happen, I guess, with that golden generation, I suppose, as they're referred to. Um, you touched on it last week, uh, last week, didn't you, Bryce, and said that I think Gareth Southgate seems to have picked players solely on form now rather than a big yeah, name. Yeah, big names. And yeah. Like that. yeah. I think that's been Which is interesting. the biggest difference. Yeah. Not so yeah, much that like... there are less or more English players within the league. I think, you know. I don't Within the top clubs, I think is my kind of point. Like not Premier oh, yeah. League, but like the the top four clubs. So yeah, but yeah, I'm I just not... feel like it's a bit reflective of that. I just like obviously everything you said, Alex, in terms of like, okay, yeah, yes, Ben White, for instance, using him as an example. I'm just trying to gauge like maybe, um, you know, this it's so competitive in England, right? To try and make it in the Premier League, as you would know, it's like there would be so many good players, as you would know that don't make it, you know, into the Premier League. I mean, they obviously make it in other leagues around the world, but there's only a very select few that actually play in England at the top level. There can't be that much difference between players like Ben White and the next person that doesn't play is what I'm trying to say. It's like, yeah, not, no, not you... that he's not that he's not amazing, but it's like how no, many other Ben Whites are there yeah, no, uh, you... in England that aren't but playing, but who, I, who I'm sure... Yeah would have a similar trajectory to go to play in three different leagues and now be playing in England. Like it's kind of, yeah. I think yeah, you, he's, he's an example of just, it just shows you that like there is a million other Ben White sort of in there that uh, could just be anyone basically. His, his face fits. He's obviously got that look about him like Bryce touched on earlier. The, <laughs> the championship look that, that Southgate obviously likes. <laughs> Mate, pool parties, some, 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 some stereotype, though. Some stereotype. <laughs> it fits the bill. Head and shoulders in the championship. <laughs> look. 
I might grow my hair back and book in at the tattoo parlor next week and maybe I'll get a yeah. get a move. Get back over get the there. Sleeve, mate. A few swallows yeah. and stuff on the shoulder would be nice. Swallows. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like anyway. that's it. I think it all just comes down to whether your face fits and like I said earlier, um one man's opinion that account that that counts. That's right. All right, let's uh let's look at Wales quickly. Um Daniel James of Manchester United came out the other day, and I'm paraphrasing here, but pretty much said, you know, don't sleep on the Welsh forward line. Obviously, you got Gareth Bale in there, uh, Dan James. Um, oh, you got the sniffles now, Stu, aren't I, you? I know. I know. Apologies to the listeners. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, what, what do you think about Wales? Are they going to have another... You know, special run like they did at Euro 2016, Brycey. Oh, Hal Robson Carney is not there, is he? I'll double so I check. Think but he, but if he is, I don't think he is. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think they've got a. I think people will sleep on them like they did at the last Euros, and they managed to surprise everyone, which was just one of the best like things to happen in a tournament that I've seen. It was so good, and obviously the Welsh fans are very passionate, so that was great to see. But I mean, Daniel James hasn't exactly had a barnstorming season at United, found himself quite out of favour. Gareth Bale it wasn't exactly an electric return to Tottenham. Um, that might have been because of the, the the way the squad was going, but um, he's not hitting in, heading into the tournament uh, like after a world-class season at Real Madrid like he did last time. So I think, I think it's very different for them. But uh, who knows? They could surprise everyone again, but I don't think they'll be able to reach those same lofty heights. Um, I'm just... Just you know, everything that's gone on with their manager with Ryan Giggs mm. and uh, everything there. It's just I don't know if that'll disrupt them. I mean, they've been playing fine without him there, to be honest. But I don't know. I don't see them reaching those lofty heights, as I said earlier. Yeah, but I can't wait to watch them play again because I always enjoy watching Wales, especially their fans. Obviously, they got Aaron Ramsey uh, in the I mean, you know, looking at their team now, uh, now Wayne Hennessy in at keeper, Crystal Palace. Still, uh, Ben, still ben Davies, there. Spurs, Joe Roden, Spurs, Chris Meppham, Bournemouth, who was on the, in the Premier League, Connor Roberts, Nico Williams at Liverpool, um, Reese Norrington Davies, Sheffield United. I don't know if we saw him in the Premier League, but then you got Ramsey in the midfield, Ethan and Pado, who's at Chelsea now. I think he was at Sheffield on loan. Um, no, I think he's signed by Sheffield now. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Joe Allen. Um, David Brooks, of course, who's still at Bournemouth, um, yeah. who could be leaving there soon. You know, he, he, look, or he, he hasn't yet, but he he looked like he was up to Premier League yeah. standard a couple of seasons ago. Harry Wilson, of course, who's had a bit yeah. of a weird time. And then up, up top, as I mentioned, you've got Dan James, Tyler Robertson at Leeds and Gareth Bale. Um, they're sort of the, the main players. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Interesting. And they, they, haven't got the, they haven't got the toughest group, I don't think, when they've got Switzerland, Turkey... And Italy, um, yeah. I think they need to take points early because I think they've got Italy in the, in the final game. So, um, I was listening the other day. I think you can you can scrape through the group, can't you? Finish? Can you finish third in some of the groups this this time round, or is that right? Uh, don't know. Actually, we'll probably have to double check that. There might be a playoff rule in there. Is that is that what you're saying? I'm not so like sure. The best goal difference on most points. That's maybe comes, maybe that's something like something. that. But I know yeah. I know from listening to a pod the other day they were explaining that um, you only have to win one game um, to go through. So 
you know, there's, that's potentially all some teams have to do to, to get through the group. He's only win one game. Happy days. Too easy. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting, though. Yeah, usually you have to win two, obviously, and to secure your spot. But as you mentioned, yeah. Wales are coming up against um, Italy and Turkey um, and Switzerland in their group. Italy and Turkey are the first match of the tournament, and that is tomorrow, the 11th of June, on a Saturday morning, Australian time. But, um, yeah, 11th of June is tomorrow in Australia, and that's the, the first game. So not too long to go. Italy... Jeez, Obviously, an, an, another squad that you you got to watch out for. But, uh, yeah, first match of the Euros is going to be kicking off tomorrow. Optus Sports, where you'll find that one. Uh, Italy, Turkey, what are you expecting out of that game, Bryce? Passion. Both sides. It will be uh, intense, emotional. Uh, yeah, I like Italy had a bit of a lull there with their, um, their national team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they... Uh, how they how they are set this time around, but you know, Turkey got some handy players. Uh, Calvin Oglu, Sion Shai from uh, Leicester City, obviously is a beast centre back. So it's going to be interesting to watch that game. I think um, they're two sides that can uh, get there at the point in this uh, of the uh, competition and have done in previous ones, but past couple of tournaments they haven't been at their best. So it'll be it'll be a really interesting game, actually. Yeah. What time do you say it was on? Uh, it's like five a.m. Um, Aussie time Saturday morning so that's Sydney time sorry <laughs> might have to book the old annual leave then boys <laughs> no it's a Saturday morning here so oh, um, beautiful yeah happy days so it'll be kicking off Saturday 12th of June 5am Australian Eastern Standard Time so wherever you are what uh, listening in conjunction with that in Perth I believe what 3 in the morning so no doubt you'll be up Bryce and 4am for you up in Pohang Alex the golden hour yeah, early one. <laughs> Interestingly, Don't be too enthusiastic. Yeah, just quickly, Mark Milligan actually uh, said Turkey was his smoky, or I believe he said Turkey to win the tournament. So pulling a grease from uh, Euro two thousand four, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. So who's paid him to say that? Yeah, he on, or he just retired, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's announced his retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll be um, he's working with Upper Sport. But, um, yeah, interesting. Nonetheless, Smoky for sure, as you mentioned, Suyuncu and Demiral from uh, Juventus. And Kabak, who was at Liverpool this year, is Turkish as well. There's a couple of names in there. But, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. All right, boys. How are we going? We're about 50 minutes in here. That's kind of where the Euros is at. The games are starting tomorrow. I mean, there's also been some big stories in the Premier League that we can quickly gloss over before we wrap this up. We'll give it 10 more minutes for our listeners. Um, wow, we just got to talk about the big six quickly, Bryce. Fill us in with this. They've been sanctioned by the Premier League for their participation in the breakaway Super League. Yeah. However, some are saying it's maybe not tough enough. What do you think? It's just a blatant slap on the wrist, isn't it? I mean, what is it? Twenty-two million pounds combined between six of the richest clubs in the UK. It's just nothing. Uh, I just don't think it's gonna. They're not gonna learn their lesson from that. But then there's the potential. They've been threatened with twenty-five million each and a thirty-point deduction. I think if they were to break away and create a super league, so. I mean, the points deduction is where you're really going to hurt teams. I think money-wise, that just seems to be infinite for these kind of clubs. 
at the top end and the only way you're really going to make a statement and ensure things is points deductions uh, and you know disqualification from Champions League where they make their big bucks on TV money and advertising so I just think it's a slap on the wrist um, yeah a bit dis- I mean I don't know if, it, if it, I'm disappointed by the whole you're disappointed by the breakaway from the Super League you know everything obviously but yeah, it just seems a bit daft, the whole thing now. I mean, who knows? We could look back on this the next couple of years. And be, what was that all about? And it ne- would never get brought up again. But yeah, I'm just not too sure what's going to happen now. Hmm. What do you think, Alex, after hearing those sanctions? Yeah, it does seem pretty lenient, doesn't it? Uh, like Bryce has just said. And yeah, I, I just think that the whole thing has kind of been just brushed to one side slightly and almost forgotten about, you yeah. know, um, and the repercussions of what's happened, I mean, has been downplayed massively. Um, and yeah, what was what was the figure? Twenty two million. Was Between it? the Roughly? six, yeah, yeah, absolute farce, isn't it? Really, the amount of money. I, know, I think the money's. I think the money's going to grassroots, isn't it? Grassroots level. So at least the, oh, the cool. money is is nice. going back into the community and and helping in that sense, but. Maybe they could have chipped in the pockets and dug a little deeper. I think you're right, though. Like You want to see points deducted. Imagine if all of those teams started next season negative 10 or negative 15 each, you know? like Just something like that because then they got to really uh, earn their spot in the Premier League. But that would, that's what I think would be... I, I think that's a bit drastic well. because then you kind of... Is that too drastic? The, I think it is because you're punishing the players, you're punishing the fans then when really they've had nothing to do with it I think it ultimately comes down to the owners who've messed up they're the ones who should be punished alright they own the football club but that's, that's yeah that's not interesting really been, that. like, you imagine, know, yeah you threaten their money like you threaten the owners money the people that are actually making the decisions that's probably a more just uh, yeah but as you said though it's like this, this money's infinite so it's just like, because actually... Newcastle wasn't involved and you think Mike <laughs> Ashley will get him up to the top of the league yeah. it's not happening <laughs> sports to no, but what you don't, I, you know like how, how else you got, I know I, I agree with what you're saying to an extent but like if you're going to come down hard on a team on the team surely you've got to punish well, they the players and, yeah. you know that, at the end of the day they're the representative the club is you know, they're all one club. You know what I mean? You can't just separate yeah, the two when you want. They're not making the decisions, are they? Like you don't like Jurgen Klopp and John Henderson aren't going. Yeah, you're right. Let's do this. They weren't even consulted about it before it happened. So them getting punished just seems odd. The fans getting punished, as yeah, Grant said, seems odd. I, yeah, I understand where you're coming they're from. They're not making well, the decisions because if you look at other clubs in the past who struggled financially, they have been punished with points deductions you saw Sheffield Wednesday with it last season I think there was another club as well and like when I was at Portsmouth um, you know they went into administration and they were given penalties with reduction of points so yeah I kind of see where you're coming from in that sense as well and it does seem a little unfair that is it because there's six clubs involved is it six did we did you say that I thought it was six yeah. The big six. Oh, yeah. Arsenal, I mean, come on. Arsenal and Spurs, please. Yeah. But I just anyway, think we have, there's so much talk about bad owners and how it's, you know, it's really hurting English football, um, especially in the lower leagues with, um, with, you know, owners coming with lofty ambitions, clubs and done their due diligence or they're desperate for the cash, so they take them on. 
and then things don't work out, would not having that threat to owners if things aren't well run and there's big decisions made that are poor, they personally get prosecuted for it rather than the club being punished. Yeah, but it just doesn't work like that. Like, you know, changing yeah. changing codes here. But if Essendon supplements are in the AFL, <laughs> that was a that was. But it was like it's just like that was a club thing. I know it's a different yeah. kettle of fish. But the players, uh, I think it's ones, too different because of what happened. Like each player, yeah, I know, but the, the players got banned for something that the club did. It's like you can't separate the two, and it's like the Premier League have separated the two because there's two, so much. They bring in so much money, so the Premier League probably can't afford not to have these teams up the top. That's like the Catch twenty two, they're in in many ways, but yeah, they will always um, protect them, won't they? Yeah, so like that's the problem with it, and that's the corruption, I suppose, that's uh, at play, and that's why there's all these calls for independent independent regulators. Mm. And anyway, the problems run deep, and it's not a fair and level playing field, even though it seems like it is. Um, let's have a look at some other quick news. Obviously, Wolves have appointed a new manager, former Benfica boss Bruno Lag. Hopefully I said that correctly, his name. Fantastic pronunciation. As uh, the new manager. Um, Spurs have opened talks with former Roma boss, Paolo Fonseca. 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 No one wants to coach Spurs, I swear. That many people. Conte, maybe not. Um, (laughs) Spurs are expected to confirm Fabio Paratici. As a new sporting director, what does a sporting director really do? That's you know, why does Spurs need a sporting director, Alex? You've been in clubs, like you know, what, what's gonna, what's this man gonna do? What's um, Fabio Paratici potentially gonna do that Daniel Levy couldn't do by himself? Well, that's it. I think he's just the the link between the football. But side what is of the things. link? Like, what what is what is the day to day link? Like, what what did Jacob Burns do at Perth Glory when you were there, for instance? Like, what does his actual day to day job look like? That Transfer. is this link. You'd have to ask him. You know, I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, but from what you from what you saw, um, Burnsy, he, he travelled to to most games away. He was always in and around the changing room on match days. He'd attend most training sessions. Come down to the field, help lads out on Talk the pitch. To players, yeah. And with regards to contracts, he was the one sorting that that all out, talking to the coaching staff who the coaching staff wants, what players they're looking to bring in, all these kind of things. I think it's a massive job within the football, a very important job um, as well, I think. And it's definitely the link between the the football side of things and the the hierarchies above. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a key role. And I think from what I've seen in my experience, it's, it's very much the taking care of the contracts, looking at potential targets for transfers, seeing who they can get money for in the transfer market from their side as well. And then providing that link between the coach and helping him hire who he wants, his assistants, physios and things like that, making sure that's sound and all on the same page and having a clear direction with their strategy and how they play, uh, obviously to different degrees depending on how influential the manager is uh, and how they go about their business and what the kind of characters they recruit as well. So I've seen that from a rugby side with head of rugby here. You've got Hojo doing it. It's, there's a lot of transfer work and making sure that they're constantly looking at contracts and who they can bring in and who's who's on the out. Okay, maybe that's why they're bringing in a sporting director because no one actually wants to play for Spurs as well. So there you go. And this is, you know, you mentioned before, Bryce, Spurs and Arsenal are barely in the big six. How's this for a coup for Villa? Agreeing a oh. club record £33 million pound deal for... 
Norwich midfielder Emiliano Buendia, who was uh, playing in the Premier a couple of seasons ago, but it's been in the Championship and actually got Norwich promoted. But Arsenal mm. also put in a bid, uh, and I, I believe he chose <laughs> Villa. How times have changed. It, it's it's just I never thought I'd see the day where Villa outdo Arsenal for a transfer target. It's it's wild, but it's great. I mean, Villa are a better side than Arsenal. They were this season, and I just think it's. I think that's a real wake up. It should be a real wake up call for them, for Arsenal. That is. I feel like everybody wants a club. You know, like everybody wants Villa to do better than Arsenal. Yeah. Everyone, everyone is kind of enjoying seeing Arsenal slide, which is uh, pretty funny. Um, it's been quite a long and time. And yeah, finally, yeah, been coming a long time. And Jenny Wayne Aldum's actually gone to PSG, not Barcelona. It seems like PSG have doubled his salary, so he's gone yeah. there on a free. Transfer south to Barcelona, but you'll probably be seeing, uh, you will be seeing Wayne Alden playing for PSG in the Champions League with Neymar and Co. next season. Great, right, boys, let's leave it there. That's about an hour's long. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a mission. We had some technical difficulties, but if you are listening still, don't forget to head over to our socials at Shooting Zars on Instagram, at Zars Shooting on Twitter. Like, subscribe uh, on iTunes and Spotify. We are. Uh, putting these episodes up on YouTube as well. So I'll have to weave a bit of magic on the edit to make this one work, but we'll we'll get it up there. But um, Bryce, any final comments before the first game? Who's going to win Italy, Turkey in the Euros? Uh, Turkey will win 2-1, uh, and I'm hanging out for that England-Croatia game, 9pm Australian Western Standard Times on Sunday. Give me a belt yes, off. there we go. So that's England's first game as well. Al, I know you'll be watching that. When are you off on your uh, Asian Champions League travels? Uh, How next long? Friday it is. We're off. Right so after put the laptop up and uh, hopefully I'll have a decent microphone by then, so the audio quality can be improved slightly. I think your your headphones do a good job, Stu. You always sound pretty clear. I've actually. Uh, we're all in the. Well, I am trying to sort out a, a new microphone as well. So bear with us on that one, but. Um, yeah, we'll have to get a couple of pods in. We'll try to get a couple of episodes in, especially after the England game on Sunday for sure. We'll wrap up the weekend's action maybe on Monday and then we'll come together again just before Alex heads off if we can fit it in with uh, our schedules uh, as well. But fellas, that's it. Thanks for joining us tonight. No props, Stu. No, no, no. Been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it's been fantastic as always. Loved it. <laughs> Um, absolute pleasure cheers Stewie cheers Granty and of course thanks to everybody that uh, that tuned in we'll uh, chat to you again very soon here comes Alan Shearer